0: warm welcome to the Pinnacle Champions League betting podcast. Uh, joining me is Jake Thorpe from InfoGoal, a voice listeners will be familiar with from the Premier League Insights as well. And also a big welcome back to freelance expert Andrew Beasley, who was on the show for the group stage review. Uh, gents, first of all, this was an absolutely brilliant draw,
1: whatever the way the balls came out, wasn't it? Yeah, we've got some really good ties, some great narratives as well. You know, Liverpool, Real Madrid, which I'm sure Andrew's looking forward to rematch of the 2018 final. You've got the potential semi-final between the two tournament favourites in Manchester City and Bayern. Uh, and also if Liverpool and Chelsea get through to the semis, that would be a real blast from the past, wouldn't it? From the old rivalries back in, uh, uh, in the early noughties. So, yeah, really good draws. Um, and to be honest, it's, it, there isn't really a bad team in this competition at the moment, I would say. Andrew?
2: Yeah, I have to go along with all of that. I think it's a, it's a very interesting draw. I think the uh, the side of the draw that's Real Madrid, Liverpool, Porto, Chelsea, probably any of them th- will probably fancy their chances of making the the final. I mean, Porto, perhaps the outsiders, but yeah, it's, uh, it's quite a sort of stacked on the other side with obviously um, Bayern, PSG and Man City. So uh, yeah, very interesting draw. Well, you two are the two
0: experts, by the way, I'm a completely new presenter. It's James Gregg here on the podcast for the first time. So I'll be guided by you two through the games, if you don't mind. So shepherd me along and take the mickey out of me as much as you like. Um, We're going to go through the games. We'll start off with FC Porto versus Chelsea, I think and uh, there's obviously the Mourinho link from yesteryear, but it's nothing like that now at the moment. I'll start with you, Andrew, on this. Is this the best draw that Chelsea could have got? And looking at odds across the tie, I mean, they are the heavy favourites.
2: Yeah, I think everybody would have been hoping to draw um, Porto, to be honest. They were the only um, group stage runner-up who've made it through this far, every other tie, in the last 16 was won by a group winner. So everybody would have sort of understandably have, have wanted to draw them. Um, certainly when you look at their underlying performance as well, I mean, they've only generated around about 10 expected goals from their eight matches in the competition and, um, teams are struggling to create anything of sort of note against Chelsea anyway. Um, you know, better teams than that are struggling at the moment. So yeah, Chelsea will be, will be understandably delighted with it. And um, I mean, it's, it's probably not the worst draw for Porto either because Chelsea, as, as solid as they are, aren't scoring loads and loads of goals. But um, yeah, Chelsea would have to be happy with, uh, with with getting Porto, certainly.
0: I mean, Jake Tuchel has really revolutionized him. I know we're talking about it a lot, and it's a lot. Of, you see it so much in the sporting media, aren't we, at the moment? Everything is just heaping praise on him. He's going to come unstuck at some point, but you wouldn't expect it to be in this tie, particularly the way they masterminded that win over Atletico.
1: No, you wouldn't. Um, He's obviously got previous in this competition. He got to the final last year with PSG. So he's got that in his bank. Um, He's also got a really, really good squad of players. Uh, I do think that the the Chelsea squad is arguably the best in probably the competition in terms of depth and uh, and quality because if you look at any other team the the drop off between the starting 11 and, and the the subs or reserves if you like is is quite considerable whereas Chelsea could play two different level elevens uh, and still probably get past Porto i think their squad is so strong so that could play its part you know suspensions and that coming into it at this stage as well we saw them in the last game. They were missing Jorginho and Mount. Didn't phase them one bit. Just bring Kovacic and uh, I think Pulisic came in for that game. So there's some, you know, they, they've got that going for them. Um, as Andrew said, defensive, they've been sensational really since Tuchel took over. They're playing a sort of a possession-based defensive style of football, which is just suffocating their opponents by not letting them have the football to attack. Yeah, it, it can be a little bit tedious to watch at times, um, but it definitely does get the job done. I mean, from Premier League, in terms of an expected goals, anyway, they, they, no team has conceded fewer than Chelsea since Thomas Tuchel took over. I think they're averaging around 0.5 expected goals against per game, which is simply staggering. And, and they limited Atletico to next to nothing over two legs as well, which is really impressive. And uh, the market seems to think this is a really good, really good tie for Chelsea. Uh, they were about nine to one before the draw was made. They've moved into third favourites to win the overall competition now. At, uh, I think Pinnacle have got them at about uh, nine to two, actually. Um, so really, really interesting to see that market move, Chelsea. As Andrew said, though they've got issues in attack, um, they, they haven't yet clicked. They've got the attacking talent there, undoubtedly, but they've not yet clicked and, and blown anyone away. All the matches have been low scoring, and, and I think the over two legs that this game or this tie will follow that same pattern. I think it'll be quite a low scoring, a tight, a cagey game. Um, but you know, we're, we're ultimately calculating that Chelsea will will progress. 81.6% um, is what we're giving them of getting past Porto. So. Um, yeah, they are, they're, they're one of the teams that we really like to, to get through to the semifinals at this stage. And Andrew, expected goals wise, I mean, Porto,
0: what kind of threat do they pose in this game?
2: Yeah, I'll well, sort of mentioned briefly earlier, I think it's going to be very difficult for them to create um, very much. As, as Jake says, Chelsea only allowing about 0.5 xG per game. I mean, they've, they've only conceded two goals since Tuchel took over and one of those was an own goal. Um so it's it's just very hard to see to see Porto scoring. I mean some of their goals against Juventus were Juventus mistakes and there was a long range free kick and a penalty and stuff like this. So um yeah it's it's very hard to make a case for for Porto scoring many goals in this one.
0: Look we'll come on to Liverpool properly in a minute gentlemen but who is more of a sleeper team in this year's tournament? I hate to use that phrase but look at Chelsea or Liverpool, who is the biggest sleeper team?
2: Well, I'm obviously far too biased to answer this question fairly, I suppose. I'm I'm sure that's why it's been passed my way. Honestly, I would imagine Chelsea will probably get further than Liverpool. Um, Liverpool are just quite hard to read at the moment because they win the majority of their games that aren't played at Anfield. They recently ended their longest ever unbeaten run at home with six straight home defeats. (laughs) So, I mean, who knows what they're capable of, really. Um, But no, I mean, you'd have to say as, as the way the teams are playing at the moment that um, uh, Chelsea should go further than Liverpool really particularly as, as Jake says I mean they've got the much um, better squad certainly that, that Liverpool can put out at the moment anyway with the, uh, with the injuries particularly in the back, at the back Right, we'll
0: come on to Liverpool and Real Madrid um, Jake, I am led to believe obviously I'm new to this podcast so I don't want to stir the pot too much early doors but I'm led to believe that you really fancied Liverpool I think more to do with the odds than actually themselves as a team earlier on in the tournament. Are you still sticking with that?
1: Yeah, I I, I was trying to think, Andrew, before we started, what price was it that they were just after the group stage? It was
2: about nine to one. Yeah, something like that. I can't remember exactly.
1: Yeah, so uh, i tipped them up at nine to one, just purely based on the price. And obviously they've shortened, given the, you know, got through the RB Leipzig tie, pretty convincingly, I thought, uh, really dealt with them well. And um, for me, I think they'll get past Real Madrid. Whether they'll get any further than that uh, remains to be seen. They've got, Undoubted attacking talent. I mean, now that Diogo Jota is back for, it, I think that could be really, really crucial for them. He just gives them something different to um, to, to the, the you know famed front three of yesteryear. I think Liverpool will probably be hoping that that the home leg is not played at Anfield for this, <laughs> given that their current the current record and and the current um, sort of way in which they're playing. But I do think that one sort of obvious change that Klopp made in recent games should have been made earlier, in my opinion, which was to play a centre-half at centre-half. I mean, stop messing around with Henderson and Fabinho at centre-half, because not only are you weakening the centre-half spot, but you're also weakening the central midfield spot because those two players in particular are what make Liverpool so difficult to beat because of the tenacity in which they try and win the ball back and which they protect the back four. Um, And in recent games, you've seen Phillips and Kozak playing at centre-half with Fabinho playing in his holding midfield role. And, you know, lo and behold, They've started looking a little bit, bit better defensively and, um, and, and looking like a better team. And I think if they continue in that pattern, we don't know what's going to happen with the likes of Van Dijk and Gomez. I doubt that Van Dyke's going to make it back for any time soon for this season. But Gomez potentially could and Matic potentially could. So the further they get in the competition, arguably the stronger Liverpool will get squad-wise. Um, I, at the moment, I would say that they are probably still a value bet uh, around 6-7-1, to one, I think. Um, I do think that they'll get past Real Madrid. Real Madrid, obviously, they're the record winners of this competition. They won it 13 times, but um, Liverpool aren't far behind that with uh, with six. Madrid are just so difficult to read at the moment. They're, they're literally similar to what, what Liverpool have been, but not to such an extent uh, domestically anyway. They, they've won games that they probably weren't expected to win, getting points uh, um, against uh, away at the likes of Atletico Madrid, but then losing at home to some uh, rank average teams like Cadiz. So um, They obviously have the talent in there, but I just think that over two legs, Liverpool will prove too strong. Um, we're giving them around a 59% chance of progressing. So, yeah, we, we think they're going to get through. It's good. I, I'm expecting a really entertaining game, to be honest, an entertaining tie. Um, I think there, there could be quite a few goals because Real Madrid, for all their you know decent defensive players, they aren't exactly um, you know tight defensively. And, and obviously, Liverpool's issues are well documented. But the likes of Salah and Mane could really do some damage to Real Madrid. That's the key, isn't it? Look, it's over two legs. So you overall result and who advances is
0: going to be completely different, Andrew. And you're looking at Liverpool's odds for the game. Over two legs, as Jake says, I mean, do you agree with that? That they're perhaps too strong over two legs for an outright result?
2: Yeah, I think that Liverpool probably will get through just about. It's quite interesting looking at the forecast on 538 because the other three ties have a very clear um, uh, Favourite and this tie they've got is 50 50. Literally, flip a coin to see who goes through. I think, yeah, I think Liverpool should go through um, for the reasons that uh, Jake sort of said. I mean, they are looking more solid now that Fabinho has returned to the midfield in front of the Central defenders and obviously uh, Jota has just come back into the team and sort of carried on where he left off, which is which is great. He's been linking up well with um, Mane and Salah, the three of them combined for a goal in each of the last two games. So they seem to be on form. One thing is, um, obviously, Liverpool have, have tended to do well recently against teams who want to play, are sort of happy to let them play. And I think, you know, Real Madrid will be a bit too cute just to let Liverpool sort of waltz through them like uh, Leipzig did at times. So that, that, that counts against them. But um, yeah, I, I, I think Liverpool will, uh, will just about scrape through, yeah.
0: How are they going to cope with Karim Benzema? Because he's obviously always a threat. He always pops up. No matter how difficult it's been in La Liga, the Champions League seems to bring the best out of him. So, what's his expected goals looking like? We'll start with you, Jake, because, I mean, he's obviously going to be a serious threat. And Liverpool leaky at the back, as you've both been touching on. What kind of threat? How are they going to deal with that?
1: What's it looking like? What's the numbers saying? Yeah, he's, he's been very, very strong this season. I think he's got the, the most XG per 90 in the in Liga, anyway. Uh, and obviously scored some crucial goals for them in the Champions League. But um, I honestly think that the, this tie is going to be won and lost in the midfield battle because Real Madrid have um, three really, really good midfielders in there that can dictate the football, uh, dictate the game, control the football. But Liverpool will want to do the exact same thing um, with Fabinho, Thiago, Wijnaldum versus uh, what probably will be Casemiro, Cruz and Modric. I think that whoever controls, whoever wins that battle over two legs uh, in terms of... Possession in terms of through balls, in terms of breaking lines with the passes. I think we'll end up winning this, this 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 tie. And ultimately, for Benzema, he he's a striker that relies on service. He's not like a Lionel Messi that's going to make a goal out of nothing um, every single week. He can do that. He's capable of doing that, but he does require service. And um, you know, there's no Eden Hazard. he looks as though he's going to be be out for for the tie. Um, and then you're looking around and, and trying to find the next best creator, if you like. And you know, Vinicius Junior's flashed a little bit uh, at times. I thought he he was absolutely terrorised Atalanta in the, in the second leg, but just had no end product whatsoever, which is a massive issue. Uh, Marco Asensio as well, who who showed glimpses a couple of years ago before um, suffering a, a bad injury. He's back in the fold. The, the young lad, Rodrigo, as well. So th- there is potential there for Real Madrid to, to sort of mm. um, create chances, but none of them are doing it on a consistent basis and, and none of them are being very reliable.
0: Let's move on to Manchester City, of course, chasing that quadruple the favourites to win the tournament is that how you would both see it we'll start with you Andrew I mean look we've talked about lots of potential winners already um, out of the the four teams that we've discussed but in this tie I mean you know they are the favourites they are favourites for that tie they're also the favourites to win the tournament is that how you see it
2: yeah, I think they are. I think they have to be. Um, they've got no injuries at the moment. They've got an incredible squad. They've won, is it 24 of the last 25 games? Something like that. They've only lost one recently anyway. So all of those things combined, you can see they they have to be the favourites, really. Um, this is an interesting tie, though, I think, possibly the most interesting of the four, just because it's the sort of tie that has repeatedly tripped them up. Um, over the years. You would expect them to get through, but then you'd have expected them to go through against Monaco and Liverpool and Tottenham and, and Leon and all these, you know, the times they've gone out under Guardiola. So it's the kind of tie that can trip them up, obviously with the Haaland factor as well. Um, I would expect City to go through, but it, it's just got that sort of edge to it that you think that just maybe there's a chance of, of an upset, but uh, no, you, you'd have to pick City at this point, certainly.
0: Jake, look, Dortmund, Jaden Sancho returning to his former club for them. They've got Erling Haaland. How wary should Pep Guardiola be? I know that uh, there's lots of actual chat in the press as we record this today of Pep being quoted in various media as sort of saying, well, you know, I might have a look at him in this game. I mean, the fact that he's even daring to say, I'm going to be having a look at the opposition striker at this stage of a Champions League is just bonkers to me. But those two are gonna be real threats as they are in the Bundesliga, surely.
1: Yeah, I think it's more bonkers that he's not had a look at him previously, to be honest, because he's been playing at an unbelievable level for a long period of time now, as uh, as Haaland. And you know, he's a Champions League top goal scorer. Uh, he's got ten goals in. I think he's played only played six matches for Dortmund in the competition. So um, yeah, he's he's really, really, really impressive. And um, I think there was a there was a stat that did the rounds on Monday Night Football a few weeks ago that showed his conversion rate in the Champions League is something like forty four percent, which is just simply astonishing. And uh, if he can keep that up over a long period of time, I would be very impressed but um yeah it does seem as though he just needs one chance and he will score one goal which is a massive worry for Manchester City because while they have tightened up defensively it's very difficult to stop teams creating anything whatsoever in matches and uh, it, it, the way that Harlan's going if you give him a sniff um, he's going to make the most of it um, but yeah Jaden Sancho returning. He's not had the, the best of seasons in the Bundesliga this time around. Um, his form has dropped off. He's started to pick up a little bit recently though, which is um, you know promising for him and England ahead of the Euros. But, uh, but yeah, I, I, I think everything that Andrew said is 100% valid. I think that this is the, the sort of tie that has been a massive banana skin for Manchester City in recent seasons. Um, Dortmund will set up in the same way in which Monaco in which Leon etc. did Tottenham, which is counter-attack. They will sit back. They will try and counter-attack with the pace that they have. Haaland uh, running through Sancho. You've got Royce in there as well. Um, you know, they've, they've got a decent squad as well off the bench. You know, you've got um, Thorgan Hazard as well, who's a very good technical player that very quick and nippy. Um, so they, they, this is a real, really good test to see well, of Manchester City's credentials, really, to see if they if this is the year that they can get through. And um Ultimately, yeah, we think we think they will because they're performing at such an incredible level. Um, twenty four wins in twenty five is, um, you know, simply astonishing, really. And and the sort of the numbers that they're putting up in that is uh, is incredible. Not just from an attacking standpoint, but from a defensive standpoint too. For the start of the season, anyway, the, the defense was ranking as bang average based on expected goals, and the attack was also bang average. But what, they flipped a switch after about eight games and, and just became the best defensive team in the league and, and slowly but surely have, have now become the best attacking team. And in the Champions League, I think they've conceded once uh, so far. That they're, at, they're allowing 0.3 expected goals against per game across eight Champions League matches, which is, yeah, uh, astonishing. Um, the only caveat to that is that they yet to play anyone in uh, sort of any stature. I think the group stage was Olympiacos, Porto uh, and Marseille. And... Russia, and who are struggling mid-table in, in the Bundesliga. So this is their fir- first real test. But um, you have to say that when they've come up against good or better teams in the Premier League, they've dealt with them pretty well, barring Manchester United. Um, so, yeah, I, I think that if Manchester City can get through this, they will fancy the chances against uh, Bayern Munich if they get through that tie. Because, again, Bayern Munich will play on the front foot, which should play into Manchester City's hands in theory. Um, but yeah, if Manchester City are to win this competition, it's going to be through um, the defensive improvements that they've made. If they can deal with uh, Erling Haaland, I think they'll deal with Dortmund personally. Uh, and I think this could be quite a, if they play anywhere near they have, the, the levels that it have been, it could be quite a, a one-sided tie, similar to the Borussia Mönchengladbach one, because personally, I don't rate Dortmund that highly. Right, let's come on to the final tie then, uh, before we start
0: looking at some of um, the outright odds and also potential things that we may have missed that have caught each other's eye. Um, over the course of, you know, looking through all these ties. Uh, Bayern versus PSG, can Bayern be beaten over two legs by anyone? That's the first question, Uh, because I don't think that they can. Uh, That's my first opinion that I'll offer on this podcast for Pinnacle. Um, Andrew, what do you think, looking at the stats, looking at the previous history, and also using that gut feeling of yours?
2: Yeah, I'm inclined to agree. I'm not sure anyone can beat them um, over two legs at the moment. I think um, as brilliant as PSG were when they won in Camp Nou against Barcelona, they gave up a lot of chances in the second leg. Obviously, they could sort of afford to, I suppose, but you know, Barcelona had 21 shots with 10 on target in that second leg, so um, it could have been a lot closer than it than it ended up being. So, I think yeah, Bayern are probably going to be too strong. I'm not sure PSG. Um, are as good as they have been in recent years and yeah I think they're going to struggle I think this could be actually relatively straightforward for Bayern but maybe I'm I don't know too keen on them I'm not sure (laughs) what do you reckon Jake?
1: Uh, I tend to agree Uh, I I think that this is If you'd have asked PSG one team they want to avoid, I think it would have been Bayern Munich, the team that beat them in the final. And although they only won 1-0, it was a sort of a very controlled 1-0 with PSG very rarely threatening. Um, Undoubtedly, they've got the talent there to hurt Bayern Munich. This is a Bayern Munich defence that's uh, really struggled this season. They don't keep many clean sheets. I think it's two clean sheets in 20. So, um, you know, they they, they are gettable from a defensive standpoint. The issue is that they can score an absolute hatful at the other end. Um, You know, they've got the big pole, Lewandowski who's just in incredible form at the moment. Um, he, he's on the verge of breaking the all-time record scoring um, for a single season in the Bundesliga, leading the Bayern Munich charge. You know, they've got creativity and goals from anywhere. Um, even the midfield pairing of, of Goretzka and Kimmich. Goretzka's an absolute... He gets in some really good scoring positions regularly. I'd, I would watch out for him as an anytime goal scorer over the two legs, because he usually is quite a big price for his position. Um, but yeah, on the flip side of that, you've got PSG, who are... Still sort of getting to grips with Maurizio Pochettino and his, uh, and his way of doing things. And, um, you know, although he, he didn't do it a lot at Tottenham, he's doing a lot of tinkering at the moment with PSG. They're, they're changing systems regularly. He's changing personnel regularly. Um, and, you know, the, the question now is, will Neymar be fit for this? Um, he's obviously missed both legs of the camp now. I wasn't surprised to see them dominate Barcelona in that first leg, really. Uh, to me, as soon as Barcelona lined up, it looked very much like the same team that got beat 8-2 by Bayern Munich um, that were just hit on the counter-attack, you know, minute after minute. And PSG basically did the, the exact same thing. So I don't think you can read too much into that. But, um, you know, they're, they're, they're missing a few key players. I think Thiago Silva is a big miss for them. I don't think that's, uh, enough has been made of that. Not just because of, you know, his play, his play and, you know, his stature on the pitch, but he's there, he was their leader. Um, he was the person who led by example. He was their organiser. So uh, they've not really replaced him. They've got a, a squad that can match up to Bayern's, um, in my opinion. I think they're probably missing a bit in central midfield. But um, Bayern Munich, they're just a bit of a juggernaut. It, it, like you said, it's difficult to see anyone that can stop them. There is a weakness there defensively, but it's just, it, it is effectively a game of who can score more. And usually Bayern Munich will come out on top. Well, we've seen this week Kylian Mbappe become the youngest player to reach 100 goals in
0: Liga. And you mentioned the name there, uh, Neymar, but I'm thinking of, he's like sort of the filling in the sandwich, if you like, between the two names that I'm going to throw at you. So obviously Mbappe and also Robert Lewandowski. We've seen a lot of sort of changing of the guards, haven't we, in this Champions League competition so far. We've seen Ronaldo crash out. We've seen Messi crash out. We've seen Haaland go through. Mbappe... Is it going to be another continuation of one of those matches where we see that change into the guard? I know it's all very romantic and we're here looking at cold, hard numbers, gents. But is it going to be the Lewandowski show or the Mbappé show, looking at the stats? Start with you, Andrew.
2: Tough one to call, isn't it? I mean, you've got to back um, Lewandowski, really. Like Jake said, if he's going to set the record for Bundesliga goals, then he's, uh, he's obviously doing something right. Um, I haven't looked at the underlying stats. I must admit, but um, yeah, I, I'd sort of favour him to come out on top. If there was a bet for who's going to score more goals in the tie, I would. Uh, I'd be picking him.
0: Yeah, and Jake, I mean, you've got some thoughts on that. I can tell there was a little glint in your eye hmm. when I was bringing this topic up.
1: Yeah, just I think it's, it's something that's been doing the rounds as a narrative, hasn't it? You know, likes of Messi and Ronaldo exiting the competition. Um, but, you know, as, as far as Lewandowski goes, he's got a few years yet on Ronaldo and Messi. So I think he'll be around for a bit longer. And he did put Haaland in his place a couple of weeks ago in De Clasica, uh, where he bagged a hat-trick to win Bayern Munich the game. I can see him doing the same thing here with Mbappe, to be honest. I think he, he's, he's, a, he's a bit of an unstoppable man at the moment, Lewandowski. He's, he's got everything, hold-up play. He can win, you know, score goals with his head. Um, he's like Haaland is extremely clinical when it comes to finishing and uh, yeah Mbappe I think needs um, he, he's got something different he can obviously score a goal by himself he can beat a man um, very very easily whereas Lewandowski does require service but you know as I said the, the service is there they've got abundance of, of attacking talent to create the chances for him and um, yeah I'm expecting a Lewandowski to lead Bayern Munich into the semi-finals Right,
0: let's take a little look at the outright odds and any other business. So, if you've got anything else that you've not managed to squeeze in on this podcast so far, and there's something that's really caught your eye, and you think that the people listening might get, rub their hands at that, I think, oh, I'll have a little look at that myself. Tell people where where do they want to be looking. Jake, I'll start with you. I bet you've got
1: a few things up your sleeve. Um, well, the the Info-Go model has calculated the the chance of winning the whole competition. Obviously, we can convert convert that into into odds. And, and we think that Manchester City are, are the better at the moment. Uh, we're giving them a 35% chance of winning the competition, which works out at around 2.9. Um, Pinnacle's currently got them at 3.1. So you're getting a small slice of value there about Manchester City. And I think most of that, from our side anyway, is due to the draw. Um, we're, obviously, we're giving Manchester City a really good chance of getting past Dortmund. Um, Bayern Munich, less of a chance of getting past PSG. So the chance of, of Man City and Bayern actually meeting in the semifinals um, is probably a little bit shorter or a little bit less than what the bookmakers are suggesting. And uh, I think that they're, they're a really good bet. And like I said, the, the issue I have with Bayern is their defence. Um, can Bayern Munich outscore Manchester City in an open game? That, that is a tie I think we're all looking forward to, um, to, to just see if that is possible. Can you actually outscore Bayern Munich? Um, I'd be really interested to see what Guardiola does in that tie. Obviously, my previous manager of Bayern Munich didn't have the success in the Champions League. Would he do his usual Guardiola and tinker and make loads of random changes and, you know, play Aguero at centre-half or something ridiculous? Again, I'd love to see it. Um, Love to see what he comes up with because he will have, um, you know, a a left-wing plan. But at this current moment, Manchester City are our our, our favourites and we think they're a value bet with, um, I think we're calculating around a 55% chance that Man City will meet Bayern in the (laughs) semi-finals. Perfect.
0: Andrew, we'll round things off with yourself. You've got a coy grin on your face, I can see, via our video technology that we're using to record this. Uh, what have you got for us?
2: Well, I think I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stick my neck out and say Bayern to, to win it again. Um, I just think they've, they've got everything. And Man City are just, they're too capable of throwing a, uh, shooting themselves in the foot, I guess, almost, whether it's sort of Pep's tinkering or whether it's because they're wasteful in front of goal or, or what it is. Um, you know they they are comfortably the the favourites with Pinnacle. As you say uh, Jake said 3.1, Bayern at 4.9. I think uh, is pretty good is pretty good value. It gives them about an 18% chance of of winning it. Obviously they've got to get past PSG first, but as I said earlier, I think they will. Um, and then yeah, it's the tie. It's probably the tie we all want. Um, Man City against Bayern Munich. Uh, although there have been suggestions on social media that this weekend that a draw that puts them together in the semi-finals is a bad idea, but I think it's what everybody wants to see, really. Two games rather than, than one, uh, you know, final often being a cagey affair. You, see, you almost want to see the best teams in the semi-finals because then there's two games instead of one. So, uh, yeah, I think uh, I'm going to say that it's, it's Bayern that are going are to win it and, and retain it, which doesn't happen too often.
0: Well, I'm also led to believe, I know I mentioned Jake earlier, Andrew, saying that it was like Liverpool, Liverpool, Liverpool on the odds. I know it's nice to see that you're both stuck to your guns all the way through. I wasn't present for the first time, but um, thank you very much, gentlemen, Jake Oscar Thorpe from InfoGoal, and also our freelance expert, Andrew Beasley. As always, you can find our Champions League odds on pinnacle.com. You can follow us on Twitter at pinnacle and at pinnacle.betting on our new Instagram page. Go check that out. It's lovely, new and shiny. And also please remember to gamble responsibly. Thanks for listening.